Hi, this is Sharon and welcome to Getting Unstuck. I'm a spiritual coach, medium, intuitive, and tarot reader. I'll have weekly guests with inspiring stories of how they went from stuck to unstuck. My hope is this podcast helps you get unstuck so you can begin living the life you've always dreamed of. Today is my favorite day because today I have one of my dear friends, Cheryl Craig, who will talk about some tender subjects today. We're going to talk about her ongoing recovery with alcohol and how anxiety and depression has chased her for most of her life, but she's found a great way to get unstuck. Welcome to Getting Unstuck, my friend. Thank you, Sharon. I use how you unstuck yourself loosely because it's a process. Recovery is definitely a process. My question to you is about your drinking. When did you start? And more importantly, when did you realize you needed help? Well, I started drinking when I was about 15 years old. You know, it was more like um, the high school, your friends start drinking and the experimentation um, of that. And what I noticed after I, you know, stopped drinking is what that drink did for me, you know, at that time. And one of the things I realized is being, you know, really shy and an introvert, I got the liquid courage. And I think that was what the hook was for me. You know, it's really funny because the power of denial, you know, right, is really strong because, you know, I really never thought I needed help. I just kind of stumbled into AA um, on the coattails of my husband. Um, He uh, realized that he was an alcoholic and I started going to some meetings to support him. And um, it really was by the second meeting, I was, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm an alcoholic too. And, you know, I look back now and what was so obvious, like one of the major flags would have been, I couldn't go the whole nine months of my son's pregnancy without drinking. You know, that was pretty obvious but you use your denial right like oh i'm only having a beer or two on the weekends you know um so that you know there were red flags i just um i had a whole different picture or story in my head of what an alcoholic was it was that person that lived under the bridge or you know it was that person who hung out in bars all the time and and i didn't fit that narrative so you know i was really not looking at the actual what an alcoholic really is. How long have you been sober? Well, I got sober in 1992 in June, um, but about 14 years of my sobriety, I had a relapse. And so in December of this year, I just celebrated 12 years. Congratulations. Tell me about that relapse. What happened or what triggered it? Well, I think what triggered it was really, I stopped going to meetings. Um, I... The thing about me is, in my recovery, is I loved getting into recovery. I saw right away that um, I never really had that love affair with alcohol that some people have. I really just didn't like myself when I drank. And so it was really freeing for me to... um, to be sober and to live that life. So I kind of got into that false sense of security that I was never going to drink again. So I kind of thought, you know, AA and the steps was work for a lot of people, but I could do it my own way. And, and after I had my daughters, I had twins in 1997, you know, life kind of got busy. And so little by little, I kind of really reduced my AA meetings. And then, um, 
my son in his first or second year of high school got into some trouble. He got expelled from high school. And I think that was kind of the trigger that, um, you know, I was worried, I was having fear and I wasn't using any of my tools. I didn't have a strong connection to, you know, that spiritual fitness they talk about in the big book. So I just, one day I was cooking, there happened to be wine in the house and nothing really triggered it that day. But looking back, it was, building and I just went over and I had a drink and I had no defense it wasn't like maybe you shouldn't do that it was like just something came over me and I was gonna do it and it was done and that's why AA talks about vigilance because the disease is so insidious and it will creep up on you exactly you know you have to stay spiritually fit like it's like doing you know, push-ups, <laughs> you know, you don't need that upper body strength. You got to keep doing it because you never know when, when you will need it. After you quit drinking, did you notice that's when your anxiety and depression crept up? Or do you think it was alcohol that was um, helping to get those things under control? It could have been because, but, and, you know, I realized when I really started to notice my anxiety, um, come into play was more in my probably 40s. It was, I think as my kids got older and I had to start to deal with more uh, adult parenting stuff, you know, and I had, and I think that's when it started to trigger, like as the kids got older and, and when my son started to have, you know, problems in school or, you know, and I had to be a parent. I think when they were younger, I could kind of go along and feel I never felt like an adult. Even today, I don't. You know, it's something that I've been, you know, working at growing up. You know, my recovery has been a growing up process. So I feel like when the kids really needed me to start to stand in those parent shoes and I couldn't get by being the little kid with them, that's when I think my anxiety really started to check, you know, or to come to the surface. Well, is your anxiety across the board or is it in just one area of your life? Or is it like, you know, you're, you have a lot of anxiety about parenting or finances or even this, you know, crazy COVID-19 world we're living in? Oh, it's adulting. Adulting causes all my anxiety. It's finances. It's making that phone call to, you know, when my daughters were in college doing all the footwork, like, you know, mail makes me anxious. You know, if I get some type of, you know, formal or you know like something from the irs even though it could be some simple thing like i'll have that moment of like anxiety like oh my gosh you know so it's really it's amazing it's it's everywhere tell me about your spiritual pursuits this is something that you and i love to talk about and i know that you've read a lot of books and you've you've looked into a lot of uh spiritual avenues so what's your favorite spiritual avenue also i know you love neville goddard he's one of your favorites and maybe you could tell us a little bit about neville well when i first came into aa you know one of the things i really loved about aa is it is a spiritual program and god was encased in some of the steps and um, it's a relationship with your spiritual self. I did a lot of reading about God, like Buddhism, uh, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism. You know, I really had a broad interest. And so um, it was when I came across Wayne Dyer, he had this book about manifesting your destiny. And that's where I first heard of a teacher that I love, Neville Goddard. And the basic premise of his teaching is that we are all God. 
um, and it's about awakening that God within us, that nothing happens in our life that we are not the cause of. And that just really resonated with me. And for the first time, I was like, that's it. Like, that was the truth for me, because to me, God is that simple. You know, when you, some of the paths you go down are very mystical and, you know, it's like it would take 12 lifetimes to really unfold and, and understand. But Neville was simple. It's, you know, your thoughts create your world, your feelings create your world. And if you can control your that, then you can really uh, control what you bring into your life. And, and AA, that is very in alignment with because AA is really about taking accountability for everything that's happened in your, your life. So um, it's really, to me, it's just about that accountability and not giving my power over to some force on the outside and then being a victim. I think for a lot of us, turning our will over to God is so powerful. People think surrender is passive, whereas I feel surrender is so powerful because I don't have control over anything, especially alcohol or pills or even sugar. I often talk about that junkie Jane that lives in my head because she's always wanting me to take a deep dive into sugar. So I have to be vigilant with her as well. And you, you know, you have to know yourself. You have to know that surrendering is the best thing you can do instead of banging your head against the wall with willpower. Surrender is the most beautiful thing you can do for yourself. Well, I love that you said that because um, in the beginning, when I first started going to AA meetings, people used to say surrender to win. And it sounded like kind of an oxymoron, you know. And then as I turned my, you know, alcoholism over and accepted that that area of my life, I was powerless. Then my whole life was mine, right? You know, I didn't realize that alcohol was holding me back from living. And so there is such truth to what you just said. There's power in surrender. It's saying, I can't, you know, this isn't serving me. This is causing harm in my life. And it's not an act of weakness at all. It really is an act of power. It's life-changing if you, if you can do it. Yeah, the only thing alcohol did for me was make me a good dancer. Yeah, I'm just learning how to dance, you know, now after all these years. I just want to go back to your anxiety for a minute. I think a lot of people suffer from anxiety. What's your number one thing that you do to help you through an attack? Well, two things. One is walking. I find getting out of the house. I live in, you know, near a beach area, in a beach area. So that's very helpful to get outside. Um, I feel the presence of God, you know, in nature. Um, cause I feel like I'm in something bigger than myself, you know, getting out of my head, but also meditation. Um, I heard a long time ago that everything you need to know is within you. And I believe that. So when I'm really struggling, I go into meditation and, um, I actually have had a lot of guidance with that. And it's really been a lifesaver for me. And side note, prior to us recording this podcast, we were talking about knowing the truth. When you hear it, you know it. And one of the things I was saying to you is that when we feel anxiety or fear or anything, or, or when I'm feeling those things, or maybe when I'm creating a story in my head, I have to stop and realize I am creating this story. 
And when I stop myself, I ask the question, is this true? I would have to say 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not true. I do it. I create stories because I have a habit of doing that. And habits can be broken. I think um, it was Dr. Joe Dispenza who wrote a book called Break the Habit of Yourself. And I think that's a great title because we all have habits that are not serving us. But they're so ingrained and we don't stop and ask ourselves, why am I addicted to this pattern of suffering? Why am I addicted to creating these kinds of negative stories in my head over and over and over again? I like that you say that because that was um, through Neville Goddard that I first was introduced to that concept of the pattern man. It is about the stories, you know, that you said that we tell ourselves and that we accept as true just because for some reason they always have been true for us. And what I've, and that's about accountability, right? Because a lot of times people think, well, I can't change this, or, you know, that's just how I think, or that's just how I feel, or, and I think people give a lot of power to their thoughts and emotions. And I, I feel like you have to kind of sift through those, like what feelings and, and thoughts don't serve me anymore. Like, do I believe that? You know, we were talking about this today. Do I believe I have to go out into the world every day with a sword and a shield, you know, and fight the world? Um, or do I believe that life goes, that life is easy, life goes my way? And it can be as simple as that, you know, that are our patterns of belief and what you believe becomes your truth. And whatever you are thinking in life mirrors back to you. I do too. And that's one of my big things is I love quotes, like, you know, and um, it's an kind of an ancient teaching, I guess, of all this, but you know, the world is a micro and a macrocosm. So like as within, so without, as above, so below. And, and I think that there's a real truth to that, you know? And, uh, yeah, I agree. It's been since my own spiritual pursuits where I finally got to a point in life where the outside is reflecting my inside. So I'm constantly surrounding by, surrounded by people who are joyful and peaceful and happy. And when I'm driving somewhere, I always end up getting green lights. And when I go to Starbucks, there's always a nice barista girl to greet me. Well, you and I talk about, you know, the Course in Miracles is a class that teaches the world or the earth as a classroom. And I had a really, I don't think I shared this story with you. Maybe I did. But um, on Easter Sunday, I woke up really early and the sun was coming up. And I could see how beautiful the sunrise was going to be from my front window. So I thought, I'm going to walk down to the beach and watch the sunrise and it was really, really beautiful. And it was, as I was walking down there, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Easter Sunday, the story of the resurrection. And, and what I was realizing, cause I sat on a bench down there and I didn't see the actual sun come up. It was taking a long time. And, uh, as I, and I almost felt a little disappointed with myself that I didn't wait, but I saw that the, the, the morning had broken and it was really a beautiful, the sky was a beautiful fire and pink. And, um, but then I realized that was almost like a symbol, symbolic of what was going on in my life because I'm at the beginning of my awakening, right? The sun hasn't risen. So I think that if you can really look with you know, open eyes, you're near, everything is mirroring back to you, like where you are in your life or what's happening. And, and that was such a great moment, like when it's that obvious, like sometimes you think it's in the little simple things, but sometimes it stares you right in the face. I love that. That is a beautiful story. I love it. 
So I have one more question for you, my friend. What brings you the most joy in life? You know, I think what is bringing me the most joy is that as I am facing some of my fears and telling me myself a new story, that I'm able to kind of let go of that old, those old stories, right? So right now is a perfect example. You know, we're going through this COVID-19 lockdown and my daughters are here from New York with me. And I think just a few, maybe even a year ago or even six months ago, I could have really been living in like fear around all this and worrying about finances and about their future. And just the work that I've done and some of the realizations that I've had, you know, in this past year, like I'm able to sit in peace and joy that my daughters are here and enjoying my time with them. And, and so I think what brings me the most peace and joy right now is really just being able to live in the moment and having that trust that everything will work out. Um, because we were talking today in our Course in Miracles is, you know, if there's one thing we know is we're sitting here today and nothing has, you know, we're, we've been through all these hard times and we're always okay. And that's kind of the truth I start telling myself is I'm always okay today. And I just have to trust in that when I get too far ahead, that doesn't work very well for me. And um, so I'm learning, you know, the peace and joy is in the moment. It's a day to time process. And enjoying the now. My sponsor always said, God exists in the now. He's not in the past and he's not in the future. You know, you find God in the now. So when I can sit with that and, and just trust that God is with me right now, working with me, I'm okay. 100%. I want to thank you so much for your willingness to share how you were stuck and how you helped to get yourself unstuck. I loved having you on this podcast. And I especially loved watching you walk through your process. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Sharon. It was really fun to be with you. And I'm really proud of you, too. I love this podcast and I love watching you grow.